I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My mom always said this, like when I was younger, she's in Chinese, she said, um, you need to learn how to be a person before you learn how to run a business. You're listening to Crazy Smart Asia, a podcast that explores the unexpected stories of Asia's disruptors. I'm your host, Tamara Lemonnier. A few years ago, Joseph Foix was looking for a girlfriend. In Chicago, he was using up to 15 dating apps and meeting people every day, sometimes even double booking dates. When he moved back to Singapore in 2013, he was surprised to find that Asia's dating apps were nowhere as advanced as those he'd used in the U.S., and so he made his own. Pactor quickly became Southeast Asia's most popular dating app, with more than 20 million users across eight countries today. Spotting opportunity, Joseph's company widened its horizons over the next few years, transitioning to become a social entertainment company through a series of key acquisitions. One of the most notable was Taiwanese hip-hop artist Jeffrey Huang's live-streaming platform, 17 Media. Now established as the M17 Entertainment Group, the company is transforming how Asia dates and streams video, two fields seeing a huge increase in both users and revenue as a result of COVID-19. In this episode, Joseph talks to Genty editor Lee Williamson about the dawn of the livestream era, how our social norms will change post-pandemic, and why he can never seem to say no, which is probably why he went on so many dates. Here's their conversation. Uh, Joseph, first question is uh, about the early days. Um, you started Pacto in 2013 when online dating was really in its infancy, especially in Asia. Um, can you tell me about those early days a bit, please? Uh, you know, were you confident of your success, for one? Um, so I, I don't think that one thinks about success when you're, when you're building something, and um, that's probably the furthest thing away from away from your mind. You, you're trying to solve um, the problem that... Uh, that you're you're facing, you're trying to fix issues. You're trying to you're trying to quickly grow as um, as as the ground beneath you falls apart. And uh, a lot of times you don't you don't get to think beyond that very moment. And so I, I would say I would say that no, I I, I never thought about success. I never thought about um, um, relativity because I, I think success is a is a very relative word. And, um, um, and so I think at a point it was at, 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 during that time, the goal was more to build uh, a product that would be loved, that would be liked, that people would enjoy using uh, with, with a team that believed in the same vision that I had, uh, which was to connect people across Asia. And um, over the course of the last seven years, I don't think we've ever stopped uh, doing that. And, and so... Even till today, I don't think we, we think of, um, or at least I don't, I don't think um, 
of things in 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 a sense of success. I think of a bit more in a sense of are we achieving uh, on a daily basis what we set out to do. And how did you differentiate yourself in the market at first? So clearly, uh, you know, online dating was, was was getting traction in the US was very big. You know, not that not big at all in Asia. And Asia has its own unique uh, kind of cultural, um, you know, idiosyncrasies and so on. Uh, how did you differentiate yourself in the market to, to start to make traction? Um, actually, there wasn't there wasn't need to differentiate per se because there weren't any other products to differentiate against. And so basically, it was um, a fresh piece of paper, and we could write. Um, how we thought people should connect uh, through uh, mobile devices uh, with the help of uh, uh, mobile technology. And um, so it was quite simple then. It was uh, basically how can we create a good user experience for users to be able to achieve uh, what we set out to do and what they hope to achieve, which is uh, basically uh, connecting people. And um, so differentiation per se was not uh, on top of our minds. What was a key decision you, you made, or maybe a couple of decisions, that you can attribute your growth in users to? Was there one or two like real pivotal moments and decisions you had to make that resulted, that really paid off and, and you kind of attribute to the, the growth of your business and your user base? Um, I, I don't believe in silver bullets. I don't believe in uh, one one uh, one change that results in uh, a massive uh, growth. I believe in ma- many uh, where where you are at one point in time is um, is is a, a summation of all the decisions you've made. And so, like small little small little acts or uh, changes that we've made or tweaks that we've made would would have resulted in this. But I, I guess if if I were to pin it to uh, just one or one 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 key thing. I think it's um, the, the the effort of a company or the result that you're able to achieve as a company is uh, again is a product of all the efforts of your your team combined, right? And, and getting the team to believe in to understand uh, this vision of yours, I think that's key because you're gonna face so many different uh, different challenges. And um, for example, in, in in 2013, at the end of 2013, after running the company for six months, we had we had almost come to run out of uh, capital. Um, and it was a very difficult time, but because the team believed, and because the team believed that um, the company could achieve what it what it set out to do, and they believed in this vision of connecting people, uh, being be, uh, and, and us being the uh, being the party being able to to achieve this, um, uh, the, the team was able to stick with with uh, with us and, and to build the product out, um, to continue building the product. And some of them took pay cuts, some of them took. Uh, uh, no pay, uh, no pay work for 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 some time, and uh, that actually helped the company tie through. And so I would say, like, if there were there was one, there was uh, there there were one 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 thing that uh, we did right, um, uh, possibly getting the team to believe in w- uh, what I believed in, what what my co-founders and I believed in. That all makes a lot of sense. Um, did you know that back when you started Pactol, or was that the <laughs> need you were trying to answer? Uh, no. How, how, what was the need you were trying to answer back then, and how has that changed? Hmm. Um, I wasn't trying to answer a need of any other any other person except my own, and and what was that? Because um, I I was recently single, and I came out of a long term relationship then in twenty twelve in twenty twelve in the summer of twenty twelve I came out of a in the summer of twenty twelve I came out of a long term relationship and I was in Chicago I was doing my MBA MBA and I was. Um, introduced to Tinder and 
that opened my eyes to how technology um, was um, you could use technology to um, to meet people and I tried out many different applications dating applications and many different dating services and I think I was a subscriber to maybe 13 15 different services then wow 13 15 yeah, it was it was a lot I, I, I I was having I was having hell of a time. It was, I mean, I still I still think about it and uh, about how those six to eight months were were pretty incredible. And incredible I mean, how sorry. I was sorry incredible how I was a single guy in Chicago going on a date every single day, right? Every single day as an Asian guy in Chicago, and on some days I would be double booked, right? So. I mean, it, it was uh, it was um, it was a lot of fun, and and I I, I was going to come back to I was going to come back to to Asia to work. I was going to come back to Singapore to work, and and um, I realized that in Asia or in Southeast Asia specifically, um, these apps did not exist. These products did not exist, and and I was concerned about how I would be able to date back home, and and so I decided that I wanted to create a product. Um, I wanted to create a product uh, for for myself. I wanted to create a product for me to use, and I mean the plan was very simple to get to get as many as many girls as possible on this application, with perhaps myself and a few guys, right? And then then that's just you have the whole pool to yourself. And, and uh, it was it was a very simple simple game of math, and um, so I, I never planned on on building building something for uh, for other people to use. It was for for personal consumption. And, uh, and so a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend, but what won't change needing health insurance, United healthcare, tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, yeah. So in uh, 2016-2017, you acquired a number of uh, social and live streaming companies, uh, kind of taking your group beyond dating. Um, What was the strategy there? Yeah, so in in um, actually starting from 2015, so 2015, 2016, um, and then almost every single year we have done acquisitions, and um, uh, so I think we've acquired four dating applications. We have acquired in the last year one live streaming application, and in 2016, uh, Pactol merged with 17 to form M17. Right, so it's one merger, uh, one live stream acquisition, and a couple of dating company acquisitions. And I, I mean, contrary to what people believe, um, there isn't a there isn't a there isn't a, a strategy per se in that we will continue to acquire many companies. I find it difficult to to believe that that's a strategy. Um, 
Because companies, good companies don't come by just because you want good companies to come by. Good companies happen to come by because you, you chance upon them because you're talking to people and you just happen to, you chance upon an opportunity. Um, I always keep my eyes peeled, uh, for, for industry, industry, um, trends and I speak to a lot of people within industry. And so I guess that, that, um, as part of my learning process, as we're learning from the industry, as we're learning from other people, as I am learning from other people, I realize how people are doing and I learn about how they're doing. And because I learn about how they're doing, I realize how good they are or how not good they are. And, and then I, I think about are there ways that we can work together because I'm a firm believer that you don't have to build something from scratch if somebody has already done it. Um, and, and a combination of two good companies can be something that's much bigger than, than, and, and just one plus uh, one uh, individual standing, standing apart. And was it, uh, you know, like we've got to get into live streaming. We live streaming is next. It's what's big. It's what's growing quickly already. And the, you know, the predictions are for, you know, insane amounts of growth. So let's find a company in live streaming. Uh, because what did you feel like it was a natural fit with dating? How did the, that all come about? That kind of transition from being a dating company to being a social entertainment company? Yeah. I, I, again, I don't think it was because we saw, I don't think it's because we saw, I saw that, um, live streaming was going to be huge. I, I mean, if I, if I could see, then I would have uh, done a lot more. Um, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't the case because I, I got to know Jeff, my, my current partner, Jeff, Jeff founded 17 back in 2015. And before that, he was actually the, the founder of uh, Machi Dating, a dating application based out of Taiwan. And I got to know him through dating and, uh, um, we were competitors then. And so I connect with everybody in the industry. So we, we happened to talk and because we, 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 we talked. I got to know him, and when he started 20, in 2015, when he started live streaming, I was following very closely. And then he hit, he hit some bumps. Uh, he had some uh, growth uh, opportunities. He hit some bumps, and then we reconnected back in 2016. And then uh, at a point in time, we thought there to be an opportunity to work together because I saw that uh, that product was not being managed to the best of uh, what I, think, I thought it could be done. And uh, he had a lot of uh, he had a lot of connections. He had a lot of uh, 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 industry know-how in, in the sense. And then I, I had more of an operational background. So I believe that, you know, the combination of these two things could create something that was much bigger. And I saw that there was some, uh, uh, some success stories already, uh, in, in other markets, uh, not in Asia yet, but in other markets. And I, I figured, I figured that, Hey, um, if anything, I would be able to create value for just Jeff's product, um, by operating it better. But if we're onto something like the rest of the markets are onto something, then perhaps there's something here. It wasn't so much as, hey, this thing's going to take off. It's going to be worth $33 billion in three years. And hey, I got to be, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that, it wasn't that easy to convince the, the, uh, the shareholders either. So you and, didn't uh, see that level of growth coming? No, 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 not at all. Yeah. Hmm. I, so, but you, but you thought an opportunity to, to grow, uh, an already, a, a company that had already gained a foothold, would you say? Correct. I, I would say that I would say that um, it had the right foundations, but it was not uh, the potential of it was not being fully realized. And um, uh, I, I believe uh, that as an operator, I could I could I could do more. Mm. And obviously, live streaming now is already you know has grown over the last few years, uh, you know, at fantastic levels, and now it's booming because everyone's in lockdown. Um, do you think the this growth level of growth will continue post pandemic? Like, will live stream become the new normal of entertainment, um, or do you think once things go back to normal, our media consumption habits will go back to more or less the way they were? 
Well, do you think this is a brave new dawn? The era of live streaming has been has dawned. Yes, for sure. I think that um, uh, we've been forced, right? We've been forced to embrace this. We've been forced to adopt. I think that uh, this uh, this this uh, pandemic has has pushed uh, that to the forefront. I'm, I'm pretty sure what would have originally taken, let's say, three to five years to adopt, um, possibly has been shrunk to a year or less, right? So what what people would have been would have taken three to five years to get used to, because we, we see any type of new technology trend, generally the, the cycle is, I mean, five to ten years, right? Five to ten years, a, a new cycle comes. Five to ten years, a new cycle comes, and um, and so I, I think. Without this pandemic, it would have taken a lot more time. But now we're all f- uh, pushed into one, one corner. So I definitely think that this has changed uh, the landscape dramatically. And so, yes, for sure. I think that live stream, uh, be it for entertainment, be it for um, work, be it for anything, um, has been pushed to the forefront. And I think it's here to stay. Now, do I think this is uh, going to change things 100%? I, I don't think it's that easy. Uh, I think that uh, some some habits, some thoughts are still ingrained in in in, uh, in in tradition, it's not it's not going to be that easy to change, but um, it has certainly pushed things to the front. How do you think our social norms are going to change, and which social norms are going to change? What are, what's going to be dramatically uh, disrupted by this new normal? We're going to wash. We're going to keep washing our hands, <laughs> even after this thing is gone. We would have developed wash hand washing habits. Um, I meant in terms of live streaming, but yeah, that for sure. <laughs> um. I would say that people will not be so um, uh, bogged down by being in the same location to do uh, to do um, to do work. Uh, it's no longer required, and um, we are, we are reconsidering how how we pay rent. Right? Is there a need to get that much space to uh, for this physical for for this physical uh, business? Uh, maybe not. Right, and but that actually opens up opportunities, and because previously uh, we could only sell in Singapore, Malaysia, Taiwan, Korea, we can only sell where we had physical locations. Right, but today um, our, our managers are thinking, hey, you know, it's possible to sell to the whole of Asia. We don't have to be in any of these uh, locations, so we can sell through through uh, conferencing. Right, and, and so like we are thinking about different ways to run businesses. So I believe that new business models have. Uh, have 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 started to to be be built, and um and for sure right after this, um the, the many ways of of doing businesses uh, will not exist anymore uh, just because they they won't survive this they won't survive this uh, pandemic. That's yeah I think there's a lot of business models that aren't going to survive the pandemic and um there's a lot of new business models that are going to come um you know they're going to be completely new you know, you and I spoke a little bit before about how. You know, global events shape the companies that are born in the aftermath, uh, like the financial crisis in 2008 uh, and like the ensuing uh, financial insecurity um, saw the rise of the gig economy startups, the Ubers and so on. Um, what tech companies do you think will come out of this, the pandemic? And like, what are there any opportunities in particular that you're looking at? I mean, from, from my perspective, uh, uh, the, the companies that I think will come out strong are the companies that push and are non-resistant to to change, right? Uh, I think that the biggest the biggest danger right now is for you to sit and wait wait to ride it out. But the biggest danger here is that um you, you sit in your laurels and and you're just waiting for this thing to ride out because that that it's not gonna you're not gonna survive. And I mean, if you just sit on and wait for eighteen months, you're, you're done. Right? So I think 
I think the, the companies that will come through, it's not so much a specific trend or a specific industry. I think the companies that will come through, uh, through are, are the companies that have leadership that are willing to change, willing to adapt. Now, but per se, of course, right, live stream industry is one that's doing very well, right, and that will continue to do very well. Anything that does not require physical interaction will do very well. I think the, the, the whole education system is going to change. Right, you you have to start rethinking. Like people are thinking about, is there a, is there actually a need uh, to to go that far to spend that type of money to do those things when everything can be learned online? Like, what does that what does that mean anymore? So I think every organization, no matter how how long or how culturally rich you are or how many people you have or how big your business is, you have to re even if you're doing well right now, you have to think about how you're doing things and 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 how you have to keep up, how you have to change. So. Let's be frank, but the way you tell it, you created an app for you and your friends to, to meet girls when you were younger, and you went into live streaming not realizing how big it was going to be. So either, Joseph, you're the luckiest guy I've ever met, or you're the most humble. Your products have impacted millions of people, um, and not everyone does that, and, and, and most people aspire to do that. So yeah, what would you say is the difference that got you to that point? Optimism, right? Dumb optimism. And... and um... So my CFO often tells me that um, uh, he and I have very, very different, uh, very different paths, and we have very different characteristics. And uh, this is why um, he and I do what we do. Like his job is to be the most pessimistic person in the whole company, and my job is to be the most optimistic person in the whole company. And our CEO's job is to bridge the gap between that optimism and that pessimism. And and so I guess. Since young, I've, I've, I guess my, my parents have always, my parents always instilled this belief that nothing is out of reach. Uh, you, you can achieve anything that you set yourself out to do. And as long as you're willing to put in the hard work, um, you will get there one day. And, and I've seen them do what they, they preach. And I guess a lot of times people, people sell themselves short, right? I, I often overreach, but most people sell themselves short. And I overreach because I believe that I, I, as long as I put in the work, I will get there one day. And I think that's the that's possibly the key thing. Like if you ne- if you never stop dreaming, then your you, your the pie that you're going after is always going to be that big. And um, and you're just gonna keep pushing, keep believing. Like you're gonna face difficulties every single day. Right? That is just a norm. If you don't face any difficulties today, you're not challenging yourself. You're not growing. And you will see yourself stagnate, and then you will be you'll be replaced. Um, but if you continue to face challenges and you and you, you you dig that um, you enjoy the, the the challenge of um, of overcoming these uh, obstacles, then you know it becomes it becomes a great lifestyle. Like I face problems every single day. Like I'm up uh, early morning till 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 late, very late at night, and solving problems basically, like troubleshooting every single department's problems or or the issues that we face, and I enjoy it. I, I love it now. But of course, with that said, uh, one one key thing that I, I think I think you have to you have to be aware of is like the purpose of an existence of a business, the purpose of an existence of a company is profit driven uh, to create value for your stakeholders, and that is something that is a given. You you can never run away from that. That's why you form yourself as a company. Um, but when you're when you're running a company as 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 its leader or as its CEO, as its founder, as 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 its uh, steward, you you cannot forget that a company is uh, the combination of many people coming together, 
right? And it's people. Companies are people-driven, right? And you have to, I think I mentioned this to you before, like uh, you have to know how to, like my mom, my mom always, always said this, like when I was younger, she's, in Chinese, she said, um, um, so that means uh, you, you need to learn how to become, you need to learn how to be a person before you learn how to run a business, right? Uh, if, you, if you cannot function like a normal human being, you cannot interact or you cannot empathize or you cannot treat people right. It's very difficult for you to continue running your business because you will not be able to, to pull everything together. Right, and so I think it's a it's 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 a combination of these two things, right? So your mantra, you know, from your parents is be kind, is to not burn bridges. I can't imagine you've ever burnt a bridge in your life. Then, from what from what you're saying, I I don't remember uh, burning burning bridges, and but that's that's also a weakness because sometimes that results in my inability to say no. How, give me an example. Uh, so when people ask me stuff. <laughs> it's very difficult for me to say no, um, and I usually have to deflect. And um, uh, let, let me, if somebody comes to me and asks me for a pay raise, right, it's one of the hardest conversations because how am I supposed to look you in the face and say, sorry, no, right? So what I, what I always do is, unfortunately, I don't have, uh, this is not directly within my purview, if I if I were to deal with everyone's requests like this, the company would be crippled. Can you go speak to A, B, and C to see how this could be uh, settled? And then um, and then uh, A, B, and C would have to deal with this. And so that that is my one of my my biggest weaknesses. I I find it very difficult to 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 say no. So I just have to avoid and deflect. Okay, so if you work for M seventeen, you want a pay rise. You got to go to Joseph directly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult for anybody to to reach me specifically for that reason. I don't <laughs> I don't pick up calls. <laughs> right. But I mean, to your point about um, you know, part of your job as a leader is putting out fires everywhere, dealing with all different departments. That has to involve a lot of difficult decisions, a lot of resilience, a lot of mental resilience to have to make the right decisions, which aren't always the easiest decisions. So you know, that kind of goes a little bit against what, what you were just saying, that, that you must have to have a lot of steel to get to where you are. Correct. And so like when I, when I look back at the last seven years, I've made many mistakes. I've made many mistakes because of my inability to say no. And, and, and so one of the key things I, I think uh, that, I, uh, that I have, um, that has helped me over the last seven years is the experience that I've accumulated the experience that I've accumulated over the last seven years ensures that I don't make the same mistakes going forward. And so like difficult decisions become very much easier now just because I know I've done it before and this is the result, right? Even if I were to do it again, this would still be the result. So there's no pain in, in, in doing it again. And at the same time, knowing that even if you make a wrong decision, it's not going to cripple you. I think that's the key thing. Like, um, like everybody should be afraid when you're making decisions. There should be a, a sense of fear because if there's no sense of fear, then you're probably not taking any type of decision that, that is unknown. Then you're, 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 you're being safe, right? Uh, which may not be a wrong thing, right? But if there is no fear, then chances are you're not pushing your boundaries. Now, but even if there is a fear, it's okay because you just have to recognize that this fear exists because it's unknown, but this unknown will not cripple you even if it swings all the way to the extreme. Um. And what would you say is the hardest lesson you've learned of all these, you know, 
micro failures and all these kind of things you've learned along the way. What was the hardest lesson that you learned so far? The thing that kind of knocked you on your back the hardest uh, on your journey and how has that shaped you? Do you say? I, I would say that the hardest um, lesson that I've learned in the last seven years is that um, uh, don't expect people to to behave in the way that you expect them to behave in, and that um, you you can't um, you can't trust everything that everyone says, and um, and that you 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 cannot believe that you would attain loyalty from from everybody, or or people will do what they say they will do because uh, betrayal is betrayal is um, it's not per se betrayal like you watch in the movies. Betrayal is just uh, a misalignment of incentives. And and that is a lesson that I've had to learn um, because, I mean, as a kid, you you never run businesses, and it, it, chances are, if you don't run your own business, you're never gonna you're never gonna face betrayal per se in that sense. It's very difficult for you to come across that. But, but you know, when I when I first came across uh, my, my my first experience running a business where I was double crossed, and well, not double crossed per se, but I was um, crossed, and. Um, and uh, I look back at that. I look back at, at that, that that situation right now. Then, then I termed it betrayal. Now I just term it as a misalignment, a misalignment of incentives. We had different goals, and so and you're yeah. saying you need to kind of depersonalize business, and don't Sorry? take. Is that you saying you need to depersonalize business and not take a betrayal in the same way that you would in love or in friendship? No, I would say that I need to. I need to plan for the worst in every. In every situation, uh, remove my notion of this person thinking that this person will not react this way, and uh, think about what's the worst thing that could happen if this were to happen in another direction. Like believe and and treat people like they 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 deserve, but at the same time you need to be watching and, and protecting your your own company's interests and uh, and think for and, and prepare for the prepare for the worst. Great. Uh, last few questions, Joseph. Um, what keeps you awake at night, and what makes you happy? I am unable to foresee trends uh, that far ahead. I am not one of those uh, people that can do that. And, and because of that, I'm always concerned about being blindsided, right? How, how can I ensure that my organization, my company is not blindsided? How can we make sure that we're keeping up with things? What are people doing that we're not doing? What are people seeing that we're not seeing? What are people talking about or, or thinking about that we're not thinking? So that keeps me up at night and that keeps me going and that actually pushes me to speak to more people, to look at more things, to learn, uh, because that's the only way we're going to improve. What about what makes you happy? Where, where do you get your, your kicks uh, in the workplace? When everybody comes together and solves the problem and they, 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 they see the impact in, in the problems that they solved. But I, I, I love seeing problems happen. I, see, I, I, I love dealing with problems only because of the kick at the end of it. Like knowing that you're going to solve it and then, then you, you, there's this huge sense, immense sense of relief and satisfaction and then you, you see that everybody is happy at the same time. Now, that is, that is a kick you never get tired of. And because you, you know that every time you solve a problem, you're leveling up. You solve a problem, you're leveling up, and you gain that, that piece of experience and, and the ability to share that experience with anybody that comes along your way. Hey, I've already paid the tuition fee. You don't have to do it again. Let me tell you how this is done. This is what happened to me. Now, that, that all in itself is a very fulfilling process. You do a lot of media interviews. You know, your face, uh, the face of your company. What's something that, is interesting about you that people don't know. You know, it's possibly it's possibly um, similar to what you asked just now, and you said that the scale of impact uh, that you've achieved is um, is is uh, is significant, 
Now, what, what have you done? Right? And I, 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 I honestly believe that everybody has the ability to create an impact. You just need to decide that you want to create an impact. And uh, I don't know why not, not more people think, think, think that way. Uh, uh, or it can, People should try to think more that way because any type of small impact that you do um, it is creating an impact. So um, I'm not any different from the next person. The only, the only different thing that I've done is that I, I've started to dream. And when I dream, I, I try, I, I believe that I, I, I want to, I want to, I can, I can achieve, I can achieve. That's the only difference. And, and, um, today I, I mentor a lot of, um, a lot of people. Like, I wish I knew this 10 years ago. I wish I knew this like 15 years ago. I wish I started my business instead of, instead of, uh, spending time, work and, uh, whatnot. Like, I wish I had gained all these experience long, 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 long time ago. I think, I think it's key. Like, it's not even about, it's not even about, making money, it's not even about achieving that success, it's about fulfillment, right? But then again, people might find fulfillment in other ways, right? But for me, or for, for at least the people uh, who are like me, right, finding fulfillment in solving problems, finding fulfillment in, in making an impact, finding fulfillment in bringing people together to achieving something bigger, uh, that, that, that actually just requires you to dream and, and being willing to, to pursue that dream. Dream big. That's the yeah. one, the big takeaway I'm going to take away from this conversation, Joseph. <laughs> Seriously, thank seriously. Um, thank you very much for your time and your candor uh, and, and everything else. Um, this has been fantastic. That's it for another episode of Crazy Smart Asia. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please do leave us a rating and review while you're there. Gen T connects young leaders across Asia. And if you know someone who would resonate with these stories and take something from them, please do share the podcast and help bring them into our growing community of changemakers. You can also follow Generation T on Instagram. We're at at Generation T underscore Asia and Facebook. And check out our website, GenerationT.Asia, for more on the people, businesses, and ideas shaping Asia's future. See you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.